Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oyatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who takes pictures of the back of people's heads. Sure, why not? <laughs> well, you 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 can't see it yourself, so I do it for it's you. It's a favor you're doing for me. It's I was trying to think of another body part that you could take pictures of for me, and I was like, no, this the rest is all going to go weird. Yeah, the rest were creepy. At least that's uh, exactly what that, that is exactly what the way my brain processed that. I was right. like, "Well, shit, we're just going back in the head because like everything else is weird." Yeah, yeah. There is no uh, there is no culturally established back of head fetishism that I know of oh. or I'm aware of. Well, so, like, well, uh, well, to the internet. No, no, because the answer is obviously yes, and I am happily unaware. But nearly well, actually, any other I will, body I will part. give you an insight. It is not the back of the head, but the nape of the neck is considered one of the sexiest parts in traditional Japanese culture. There's a reason why traditional, like the the sec, if you look at traditional Japanese art, like late yeah. he, late uh, 1800s, early that that sort of era, the a a woman is rendered more sexy based on the amount of nape of neck she shows. I'm talking the back <laughs> of the nape of the neck, not the front. Yes, of course. Yeah. But but by its nature, in order to show the nape of the neck on a woman with long hair, her head needs to be turned slightly. So we're not talking about the back of the head. Um, That's not true. That's not necessarily true. No, like there's a lot of – there's an inten- there's a lot of art that features the back of a geisha purely from the back which, with a – and then the sexiness of the video, the image directly relates to how much neck there is. <laughs> it's a real, it's an interesting thing. It's a it's a thing I happen yes. to know because of my job, and that's that, yeah, you because go. of your job, and only because of well, your job. because it is not a fetish anymore, as far as I know. <laughs> oh, it might be. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blanket say that. Yeah. But as far as I know, that fetish has gone by the wayside because people can. The type of clothing has changed just so dramatically. I want to talk about our Patreon for a second. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. If you want to support us, keep us doing what we're doing, you can head over there for just $1 a month. You get access to a bonus episode. Sweet nape of the neck fetishism uh, content (laughs) that you've been waiting for. Um, I am not making that promise, and I maintain the Patreon. So if Pat wants to start his own neck nape Patreon. Uh-huh. I will. To be fair, I have a very interesting book on a to- on this and related topics at work. Uh, I uh, I will gladly take part of your neck nape money, but I am. Uh, <laughs> but I you're am not, not going to actively actively participate. Um, <laughs> Lost in Criterion's Patreon. Uh, you can just for one dollar a month. Uh, you get access to a bonus episode. We do a non-criterion film over there. You also get to vote on that. Uh, I put together a little list each month, and uh, the movie Kazam from 1996, the Shaq starring children's film, is always a choice. Uh, a thing I regret after our voters finally made us well, watch it during to be February. Fair, it was a good joke, and right. we had to pick a movie to do that with. The joke it's is good, good enough joke. that, like, the, go- the joke is good enough that it had to exist. And picking yeah. Kazam, 
you could have picked a worse movie. I definitely could have. And and in all honesty, I think the joke will get better the second time they make oh, us watch no. it. Oh, no. This is definitely <laughs> one of those things where it's going to, like, if you can get us to watch it 12 times, it's going to be real funny. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, indeed. we'll yes, die, but it'll be really funny. Uh but yes, we've uh, we've watched a lot of great movies over there, a lot of bad movies. Kazam is is quite probably the worst. Uh, but uh, Monster Squad wasn't that great. No, either. I think I would. I it is a definite toss up between Monster Squad and Kazam. Like, yeah. Monster Squad's really bad. And, and we in, talked in many about ways Monster Squad more... during the Kazam episode because of how bad they both. Yeah, are. Well, and Monster uh, Squad has issues that in in like the weird sexualization of children and stuff and yes. it's, it's very yes. strange whereas that is that is a point where at least uh at least Kazam doesn't do that and yeah. that's good um but we watch uh we watch good movies over there too uh it all depends on what's on the list i put together and what so basically it's adam's for. fault and, it's uh, always I mean, everything, fault. everything is my fault but we've also watched you know things like the americanization of emily or dog day afternoon uh, certifiably great movies. Um, Although I will say you are making fewer good movie lists recently, and I <laughs> am not a big fan of that choice. What was the last good movie we watched over there? I don't even remember because Ready Player One was January. Christmas, uh, we didn't have. We don't do a bonus episode there uh, during December we'll because we do the now. we do the we do the end of year holiday special on the main site for everybody uh, in the spirit of the season. Um, I can't remember what we did in November, so we're no. I know I my, I brain fart on this real bad. I have yeah, no idea. Yeah, uh, and unfortunately, uh, Patreon changed their UI, so I can't uh, I can't easily see what we did in November. Oh, no. Um. No. Nope, let's go. Uh, let's go back. So we've got Ready Player One. We've got uh, Failsafe. Failsafe. Oh, um, Failsafe was Failsafe. What was Failsafe? Failsafe was the straight version of. Uh, Doctor Strangelove. Oh, right, right. That was okay. Yeah. Sneakers yeah. is not... Sneakers is fine. But it doesn't qualify as a an amazing, great, like, ground... Bar- it, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not one of those movies. Them actually was a really good movie. To the them point was where really I, good. I enjoyed them a lot. During last week's episode talking about Equinox, I almost brought up them, I did and too. I actually couldn't remember... If them were uh, them was actually in the Criterion Collection, or if it was one of the bonus episodes, and that's the only I reason knew, I, I didn't knew it was bring a bonus, and that's why I didn't bring it up. I was like, well, yeah. it's a little shitty to like bring up, yeah, bonus episodes. And then we've got uh, we've got Hudson Hawk, which which is definitely a, is a, a bad movie, but a bad movie that fit, both of us definitely love. fits into the Criterion worthy for sure. Yeah, um, uh, but that's the one dollar tier get you that bonus content uh, for a little extra at five dollars. We uh, we like to thank our patrons on air at that level, uh, and in that regard, we have to thank this time around Adam Speakerman and Kevin Little. For a little above that, uh, after the five dollars, we have a ten dollar level. Ten dollar and above gets you. Uh, Something I think is pretty special. Pat makes a piece of art based on something we've watched recently, usually one of the main podcast episodes, but sometimes a bonus episode as well. And I print that up on a postcard, write you a little thank you note, a little personalized note, and mail that off. Uh, but we also like to thank those supporters on air. And in that regard, thank you to Eric Coronado, 
Jason Westhaver and Michael McGrath, who are all at $10 or above, and we are grateful for all of the supporters and grateful for you listeners. Um, as I often say, we probably still do this even if we didn't have the financial support, but it is definitely easier to do oh, it's a with lot that financial easier. support. So we are we are very grateful for it. You know, we did it for years without. Uh, let's it let's is, say uh, that that my wife is very appreciative of your support. Yes, because if if nothing else, I'm no longer paying out of pocket. Really, for loves. like everything. Yeah, <laughs> we you and I are no longer like that is no longer stressful when we get to the end of the year. Yeah, let's just yeah. say that. <laughs> I have to pay those bills. It's really when helps all those, a lot. Yeah, that's the one mistake in, <laughs> having all in the bills pretty come much all December. of our all of our time doing internet projects together is that we always launch them on New Year's Day, almost universally. We've launched everything on New yeah. Year's Day going back twenty years, and uh, and unfortunately, that means all these bills come to <laughs> the same like day, mid December, and it's like, oh <laughs> shit. It's you like, know? oh, yeah, I forgot Christmas is a thing, always. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a problem. It was money. a big mistake. Like, oh, man, yeah. yeah. Every December, like, whatever, it was like 13th that that bill gets due. It's like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. Oh. And uh, unfortunately, the way it worked for a very long time is that I couldn't transfer money to Pat directly uh, yeah. because we didn't have any means to do that. Uh, PayPal, for some reason, wouldn't let me send that money internationally. Uh, so, uh, so Pat would have to pay out of pocket because everything was in his name. And then I would have to wait like four months until yeah, I, I would saw collect him. the money from Adam when I got to America. It was yeah. a terrible system. Yeah. It was a bad Oh, system. it's so much better now. It's so much less stressful. <laughs> but yes, we greatly, greatly appreciate that. Um, you know, even, even as I insist, it was never a problem for me, uh, because I'm just me. I don't have a family to care about. But, uh, I mean, it was never a problem either. I mean, like, I was happy to do it, and I still am. I yeah. would, like I said, we, like you said, yeah. we would but do it But your wife no is definitely what, happier but, than that. But, and I am too, because it's, like, just significantly stress, less stressful to, like, know. Like, right. Christmas is no longer more scary than it has to be. Right, right, right. Excellent, excellent. Uh, this week we are talking about a really great film, uh, a Oh, yeah. uh, Taiwanese film uh, directed by Edward Yang um, called Yi Yi, uh, which literally translated is one one, uh, though idiosomatically uh, the translation is something more like uh, uh, one after another or in one English translation that I really like a one and a two. Yeah, I I feel like jazz. I get it, but I feel like yeah. one after the other is probably more true to yeah. form like true to life you know what i mean because like if you yeah. like took it like if you look at the way the plot is structured and everything like that one after another feels like it is is a summation of what's happening yeah in this film yeah. um it uh it premiered at the 2000 cons festival uh where yang won a best director award um other than that it wasn't known by well, mainstream audiences, which is uh, a for, is a, a crime time. in and of itself. And in fact, I ended up uh, on first try with the original American DVD release of this, um, which was called Yee Yee. Uh, my my DVD copy does have uh, does have the original title on it, um, <laughs> which uh, which the uh, the blurb at the top best film of the year. 
quoting over 10 national film critics. <laughs> um, um, they do eventually name those on the back. Uh, A.O. A. Scott of the New York Times, Michael Atkinson, Village Voice, uh, Stephen Garrett, Nicole Keeter, out of Time Out New York, uh, on down the line. Uh, but uh, but I thought that was very interesting. Uh, this DVD uh, has a transfer rate, I, I told Pet, that looks like it was uh, <laughs> recorded off of a real media stream in, in 2000, uh, which might make sense because one of the principal distributors of this film is Windstar Video, a, uh, a video... Uh, distribution arm of a broadband company off the West Coast. And broadband in 2000 was uh, probably principally interested in streaming real media. Right. Uh, it was a weird time for the internet. Yeah, it was a real uh, media player. Ugh. And for some Ugh. reason, real media was the only one in, in like streaming live video game. And uh, they were bad at it. Like, oh, like no one was, was good at it, obviously. But it was a garbage. It was so garbage. Uh, real media also not supporting us on Lost in Criteria. No, on our list of, of companies that don't support us. Um, uh, yeah, but, but, uh, but, yeah, the DVD quality with that release was, was terrible. And it was, I think, another five years before the Criterion put it out. Um, I think it was a 2006 release for Criterion. Uh, and the uh, the AV Club review of the Criterion release is so great because it uh, it actually contains the line uh, that it makes uh, it makes your your old DVD copy a coaster because the transfer is so much better. Oh I mean, and it really is. It's to the point where you can actually tell there are people on the screen and not just moving dots. It's yeah, the original the DVD quality. Well, uh, and then the in the filmography so in this movie, the cinematography in this movie, is so good right that a bad transfer of this movie would just plain ruin it because the movie tells you a lot of things visually it's it's i mean this is an amazing movie okay like this is one of the best this went on to my i have that list of movies i'm gonna buy someday and yeah this is on there now right next to in the mood for love because i can't these movies are those this movie reminds me so much of that movie and it is one of my favorite movies we've ever watched they're yeah. totally different, like in the sense that like the plots don't really. I mean, they do. There's about infidelity and things like that, but like the plots him in really different directions, right? Uh, but like they they're so in their hearts so similar, and they both came out the same year. Uh, and if you look at like best direct like best Chinese directors list, they're both uh, both those two directors like Edward Yang and uh, I can't uh, forget what's. Um, and the move for love is Warkey. I forget his name. I I don't have it up now. Dang it! I was looking at it earlier today. Um, I can't. Wong can Kar-wai. Yeah. yeah, Wong Kar-wai yes. is. They're both like they they just jockey for positions like in every list. It's like well, in the move for love is sometimes ranked number one. Like in the sight and sound poll of best Chinese uh, films, sight. Yeah. You know, in the move for love is on top, and Yee's like number three and. Bright Summer Day, which I assume we'll get a chance to watch at some point because I want to. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's amazing. Uh, is number two, and then like in other lists, those will they'll flip flop. It's I mean, it's this is yeah. an epic. It it is a it is a family drama, but it is an epic. Yeah, one uh, one interesting uh, little note on on production 
uh, well, not production per se, but uh, background note on this before we really get into the, the meat and potatoes of the movie. Um, while it did very well at Con, uh, this was not the movie Taiwan pushed for Best Foreign Picture that year. Uh, and Taiwan did win Best Foreign Picture that year uh, at the Academy Awards. Um, uh, but they decided to favor Ang Lee's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, which is also a very good movie and a very different movie, um, but but both both great films. Um, but just um, imagine yeah, the I world mean, where where Wang had Ang Lee's career. And, right. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, who knows? Or like, I mean, yeah. Because like obviously they wouldn't have each other's career because right, right. Fucking like Ang Lee did action and like yeah did he like uh you know wang's not gonna uh, yang's not gonna yang. make like uh yeah sorry i got Wong, Kawhi and yeah they, they yeah. fucking blended yeah. together but like it'll happen yang's gonna like is not gonna make fucking hulk right <laughs> like this is not gonna happen right like that's just not gonna happen uh but I, I know though, I, I though know Yang's Brokeback at. Mountain would probably be pretty oh, pretty God, freaking great. Really I don't want to don't even pretend like they would just switch switch careers. But it is interesting. Obviously, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is what got Ang Lee uh, yeah. the American work that he got. It is the only reason I sort of mentioned that. Um, uh, you know, sense and sensibility. You know, he had done English language work before, right? Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'd actually forgotten that he'd done that. Right. I mean, there's nothing, and like, there's nothing wrong with Ang Lee at all. Like, this yeah. is not, I mean, it's right. just that like this Crouching movie. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is also a good movie. And I want to be, be sure of that. It's just, uh, it's, if, if me, Taiwan had decided to push this instead of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, we might live in a very different filmscape now. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, because this this is this is extraordinary. I mean, this movie is truly and honestly extraordinary. And 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 the fact that it didn't somehow magically win the best one, like (laughs) didn't win anyway, is a crime. And in a certain sort of way, it, it goes to show you just. I mean, people talk about this all the time. It's like not new territory or anything, but like, there's a lot of politics to. Right, those awards and like clearly this movie is amazing. It yeah. is, it is a three hour long film, Adam. That I didn't lose interest in for three hours. Right, that is a feat. <laughs> right, it was. I started watching it. My wife took my kids to go like visit some friends, and I looked up and it was dark. Yeah, I'm like, um, okay. Yeah, this is. You know, you talk about this in, and in the mood for love trading spaces at, at, at top, like, Chinese language films. Yeah. Uh, but really, in the mood for love and Yi Yi trade places at top top rankings for film. 21st century film. Absolutely. Film no, no, period. that's true. I mean, I'm just saying right? that, like, because of the way society has structured itself, yeah. um, they don't get put on lists with Western <laughs> films. They just Not don't. always. Yeah. Not a pretty well. I mean, you've got a yeah. In the mood for love is one of the best films I've ever seen in my entire right. life, and I and it is a challenge to find a list that has it on it. Yeah, yeah. It is not a uh, list of Chinese language films. Um, it just is. 
the movie website they shoot pictures, don't they? Uh, on their their list, uh, and they uh, they aggregate reviews uh, in order to make this list. Uh, they make a list of uh, best twenty uh, first century uh, critically acclaimed films, most critically acclaimed films, uh, top three in order. In the mood for love, Mulholland Drive, Yee Yee. Oh, that and that's that's nice to see. Yeah, I'm just saying that you don't like I at this point in our lives. You and I have seen a lot of movies, right? Okay? Right. And we, especially through this through this podcast, and you know, we've talked about how I didn't start keeping the list of movies I want to buy until we got to like episode two hundred, like yeah. actually physically going back and trying to remember what they were. You know what one was really really easy to remember? <laughs> In the mood for love. Yeah, Absolutely. I had no fucking trouble, and I will not have trouble with Yee either. Uh, by the by, the way, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is number fourteen on that list too. You know, it's, I, I mean, it's I get it. I I, I saw I saw Crouching Hidden Tiger, Hidden Dragon when I when it came out in theaters. Yeah, and it was good. I enjoyed it. But the problem for me was is that like that is a period drama from a yeah. specific time period in which I don't at the time didn't have a super vested interest in. Yeah. Whereas something like this or something like um in the move for love because it's more because it deals with modern society it 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 requires a little bit less effort from the audience in terms of understanding why people are doing things. Yeah. Like all you're doing in that in that situation all you're doing is making if you're not if you're not from Taiwan or you're not from Hong Kong, you're making a cultural transition across space and cultures rather than cultures and time. Right. Cultures and time is hard. Right. It's harder <laughs> than just cultures or just time. Agreed. It's got more sort of to overcome in its Yeah, and that just makes it harder. It just, yeah. and, 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 and in there, I think it's very – we get into a weird territory where like – Maybe maybe it's of perfectly exactly the same level in terms of quality. Right. But, like, I will never know because it will always be harder than these two movies. And 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 so it, it, it's always going to be a problem, right? It's just like – and that's going to be true for every critic and every person who watches this, same as it is in the, in the other direction, right? Like, if you were to ask uh, a Chinese audience to rank best films – they would be more likely to put these movies on there because they don't yeah. have to transcend as many boundaries as uh, watching an American film or something like that, right? Like that's just going to be how it always works. Uh, but the problem um, is, is that film industry is still very, very uh, American focused, and so yeah, and, and, and they have language way more of those on there. Focused too, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, looking looking at those those lists, you know. Even even where non English, non native English speaker directors are represented, it's something like Michael Gondry or or Haneke or you know it's it's European still right, right. yeah it, you don't um, I mean I mean Kurosawa is on there I'm sure because like well twenty first mo- century movie list oh yeah that's not, true but, yeah yeah that's true I I, didn't, but, I, I forgot yeah. what list specifically yeah. you were looking at but yeah but there is um, there is Miyazaki early on and and um, you know Del Toro uh, Pan's Labyrinth is is you know uh, 
up there too and um yeah there's uh yeah it it gives and take i'm looking at the bbc's list same 21st century stuff and uh mulholland drives number one in the mood for love number two and then Yi Yi shows up at number eight. So still the top ten. That's but doing nine. well. That's I, I, that yeah. is impressive actually because, like, you know, it's just that's not how I felt like things have gone for a long oh, time. Oh no, no, seriously. And and you're you're probably accurate. Because if you look at like, like the like BFI's that. top one hundred films, yeah, like. Yeah, and like that's one of those, one of those, and like, that balances against you know so historical favoring too, right? No yeah, one well, that's to, that's true. No one wants to put a, an upstart on something, but something, but even like I'm not looking at BFI's list, but I I, I bet in the mood mood for love is on there, and it's in the I, top well, I'm going to find out. Uh, well, the BFI list is a little weird. Like, there's a lot of like Ozu in there, which I love, but like it's the BFI list is interesting. In the Mood for Love is number 24. I wasn't top 20, top 25. I was so close. They, I mean, obviously it deserves to be higher, but. Right. And is he's he not even, even on, on the list. list. No, not even on the list. He's not even on the list. It's, it's, that is unfortunate. The, the BFI top 100, well, it's, the, it's uh, Critics top 100. Yeah. Because they don't have a just pure top 100. And yeah. their list is kind of all over the place. Tokyo they have, brighter, they have brighter Summer Day. A brighter yeah. Summer Day, which I, I'm excited for. Presumably, that's got to be. Um, that has to be in the Criterion Collection, right? It just I has would, to be. I would hope. If it's not, I guess I just have to watch it? Oh, no. Sorry. They have the English name for it. It's number 93 out of 100. Oh, uh, okay. Tied okay. with like seven other movies <laughs> for 93. Of course it is. Oh, God. Uh, there is Brighter one Summer Day, we it's will watch it. It's 804. 804? We will watch well, I guess um, I'm just watching it before then. I can't. I can't. Eight seventy nine. We will watch uh, Taipei Story. I'm and excited so about we'll that, but like, keep in mind, a brighter summer day gets ranked consistently yeah. higher than Yi Yi, and Yi Yi nearly broke me as a movie. Right. Right. So like, it like I can't even imagine how good that movie must be. Yeah, to be uh, better by, than Yi Yi. By the way, uh, Taipei Story shows up in a box set. Called Martin Scorsese's World Cinema Project Number Two. Oh my God! Is it? Oh my God! Yeah. It's finally happening, Adam. <laughs> Presumably, we will get to Volume One before that. Uh, Somewhere, yeah, Pro- yeah, probably. And then, like, but, uh, it's going to be like time travel too. I'm sure. <laughs> Must travel through time and space. Um, speaking of time and space, uh, that's. Uh, the the way this movie deals with time and space is probably one of the most wonderful things about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, the the transitions between scenes and the uh, the balance of scenes. There's just so much poetry in how this movie is presented. Well, and, and oh god, yes. I mean, and the way it it'll 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 actually be transporting you back in time a little bit to like make the stories line up, and then you don't. Yeah. Re- it doesn't matter. But it also you don't realize it until they suddenly line up again. You're like, oh shit! Right? Like, oh, we're synced up again. Like I, I've seen this. I know where this is. And, and like, but it's not like it's in no way disorienting. It's amazing. Right. I don't know how you do that good of a job of stringing together three stories. Yeah. And in, and never disorienting your audience is. 
and you know in Remarkable. in that in that regard and you know we we talk a lot about classical music within the film uh you know and that's another reason i sort of like that one and a two count off as as a title right. because it's it's the interweaving of a of that's true. That's true. A good I was musical more, piece, right? I right? get what you're saying. I was thinking more in terms of, in my mind, I was thinking about it like the sort of a, a commentary, and it's probably more than one, right? Because it works probably better in Chinese than it does in English, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, like the idea that um, the idea that um, this is a story in many ways. It's, it's a very naturalistic story in the way that like life just sort of keeps piling up. Well, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Things just happen. Like life doesn't one after another with, is, is with a rhyme great... and reason. There's no, yeah. there's not like there's character arcs, but they're naturalistic character arcs where like things just happen to people. Like and one thing after another happens, and you just yeah. roll with the punches and you deal with them, and they're just there. Because it's, it's so many times the the English translation of a title, even with the Criterion stuff, is just so bad. <laughs> Yeah. To have two different English translations that that actually are both good titles. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just surprising. So yeah, no, it's and 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 presumably and, and what it is is that it what it is is that unlike a lot of the ones we've encountered, but we have encountered good translations before too. Yeah, yeah. it speaks to the 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 fundamental heart of the film, like what right. the film is. Is. Is so fundamental to the way human beings understand the world that, like, yeah. it, probably presumably almost any language can render it in a right. similar way. In the sense that, just like we all understand, yeah. this is how life works, yeah, intuitively. And even, even just at its base, ye ye one one, um, yeah. it's or, yeah, or one and one. I mean, there's yeah. a bunch of it's it that, all works. It's that rhythm. It's that yeah. And oddly enough, I, what I really love, and I don't know if this is purposeful or not, I will will never know. It could just be a nature of like Chinese naming conventions for children and stuff like that, yeah. or in like because like, I know it's true in Japanese naming uh, when you, especially when you're dealing with somebody for whom you have affection. In Japanese, you will repeat their name. Yeah, a shortened version of their name will show up twice. Right. Uh, like we'll call John John John. Yeah, because a thing we will call him, which is um, why the daughter here's named. Ting Ting. Ting Ting. It's Ting-ting. not her real name. Like, that's not her. Right. Her name is not Ting Ting. Uh, right. And, like, and, and Yun Yun and all those different names. It says, and I presume, and I'm making a big presumption, that that is a sign of affection in in Chinese culture. I, I don't know. But yeah. it is in Japanese culture. And it feels like there's, but even regardless of whether that's true or not, there's a certain symmetry into the way almost everybody is talked about and the name of the film. Right as well, which is interesting to me as well. Right, as as if the film is already familiar. Right, right, that exactly. We it's a, like it's got that a, we have a, a diminutive title for it already. Right. Like the, 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 well, and it has a certain sort of like, this is just. It sort of lends to the commonness of what's happening, right? Like it, right. it. It's even an excellently named movie, right? Like in the sense that, like, <laughs> right. This is a people story. It's not so it's familiar to you right out of the box. You don't Yeah. There's very little pretension to the whole thing. It it's just yeah. this is it is fascinating that in so far removed from like, you know, your French new waves and things like that. 
where we have uh, you know let's let's do it let's talk about movie titles and and okay. you know titles <laughs> of any work right uh, you know you've got you've got some that are like the dis- demonstrative this is what's happening uh, right death of a Chinese bookie. Or uh, or even right, which is also a great title. Like, let's be clear. Like, we've talked yeah. about great titles before, and yeah. like, there are some ama- we have. Yeah, there's demonstra- There's ones that explain what yeah. the movie's about. And Elevator to the Gallows is still a metaphor too, right? Cause Absolutely. He's not literally on an elevator to the ga- gallows, though he is literally on an elevator. Elevator. So <laughs> it is still so, somewhat like leans yeah. towards that. Like, we want to tell you a little bit about the movie. Yeah. Um, whereas, and then whereas we have figurative ones. Uh, um, um, what's his name? Oh shoot, um, Suzuki. Um, Suzuki. Yeah, his names are always just like very figurative. They're always just like yeah, wild even, man I mean, on the loose or something like that. Or in that regard, Ozus are are yeah, po- pieces are, of poetic, very poetic metaphor yeah. too, right? Especially the season ones because it's yeah. all about different times. But all life. but all of them would fall. Yeah, I mean, Good Morning is not. I mean, it is a thing that is in the film, like the kids yeah. refusing to say Good Morning. Yes. But it is not. It is. But that's but not I what think, that. That's not what that title's fucking about. Yeah, but so much of Good Morning is about a new dawn within. Right, but that's what I'm saying. It's very too, figurative. Right? That's what I'm saying yeah. is that like yeah. the name yeah. is figurative. It's not actually talking about the fact that they won't fucking say good morning. That's not right. what that title's right. about. Yeah, and there's great. Um, you know, uh, something like Ashes and Diamonds, particularly. Uh, you know, with the poem it draws, uh, it draws the name right. from. Is really well, and then we've had that happen a few times where it's like yeah. there, it's in some way or yeah. another referencing poetry. There's something like you know one of the ones I you know one of my favorites still to this day, Wages of Fear, yeah. is very. It's it's simultaneously very descriptive about what the movie is, yeah. but also like not like it's not it's not fucking James Bond. It's not like right. you know what I mean. Right. Like right. they don't say the Wages of Fear you, anywhere in the film. If you just saw the title Wages of Fear, you'd have no idea. No, I. You could never no, no guess idea. what well, that Well, you would know. About. Yeah, you would probably think it's a horror film, frankly. Right, right. Um, it's got the word fear in there. Right. But it, you know, it, but but as soon as you've seen the movie, you're like, yep, that title checks out. 400 Honestly, Blows I think... is, another, is another one of very, like, referencing a, a saying in, in, in yeah. uh I think my favorite Frank. title, my favorite title is actually Tababian, uh, because because it essentially means this is fine. And yeah, that, yeah, that is a good one. That is a good one. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard for me to decide. There's a lot of really like I mean, I'm I'm looking at my list of my favorite movies. Yeah, to do this and like, oh, but the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie is such a good name for like. <laughs> For a fucking it's movie, also true. Also it's true. Just, it, and it tells you exactly how the director feels about his topic, <laughs> right? Like you have no idea what the fucking movie's about, but you know exactly how <laughs> the you, director feels. You know, you know how the movie's going to feel. You may yes, not know exactly. plot, but you know what it's about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Especially when it's coupled with the fucking cover for that. It's, it's all, the poster work for that movie. It's like, oh yeah, I know where this is going. <laughs> but yeah, this is he, a, this is, yeah, yeah, he just works on so many different it's levels. Really good. It's so good. in so and many different is, ways, and it, and it lines up with the movie so well. And it's right. but it's also so simple. It's like probably the shortest title we've ever had. Yeah, particularly uh, if you don't count repeated words as words themselves. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Or, Which you should. Right. Uh, I mean, I, but considering that, like, if you translate it, 
they're actually meant to represent. They can be understood to represent different ideas, right? Distinct right. ideas, right? Yeah. Um, but either way, the, like, but digging into the movie itself, this, the way the plot, I. Over the years, we've seen a in this in this podcast, but also just in general, it is not uncommon to have a film that features multiple characters and yeah. their and their progression over time. I have right. never seen it handled this well. Yeah, right. Like it is a common practice. Yeah, and I have never seen it handled this well. It's um, so smooth and so and it and and you. You spend long time, like you spend fairly long chunks of time on individual characters, but in in an in in a less well crafted, a less artful movie, spending that much time on an individual character would cause your audience to lose track of where they are in the story, right? Where, you know, because like a lot of times when you have those multiple perspective movies, it's a lot of smash cuts, right? You're like jumping between the characters all the time. No, we spend ten minutes on NJ in fucking Tokyo, right. or well, not Tokyo in Japan, with yeah. no with no cuts to anybody else. We don't yeah. even get to see the other characters when he talks on the fucking phone. Right now, which I is do amazing. I do love when one of my uh, one of my favorite uh, editing bits in this movie is is when we do start to cut away from tokyo i mean it does as, happen yeah as nj and uh, uh what's her name his his former lover um his old girlfriend sherry. calls her sherry. sherry yeah um as they're walking through the street and she starts talking about you know the first time they have oh, hands those are crossing so the street good. and we cut we cut back to ting ting uh but that's the boyfriend. interesting thing is like yeah. what it's it is remarkable, right? Because oh god, it's so well done. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's describing simultaneously his relationship with Sherry. Yeah. Ting Ting's relationship with Fatty. Yeah. And his and his son's relationship with that uh, that girl that we don't is as far as I know not even named. Right. In in like third grade. Right, because he talks about how he developed an affection for Sherry in elementary school. It's amazing. Yeah, it's so. Good. I mean, we cut between Ting Ting and 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 Fatty. We actually cut between them. Right, but right. we but, hear him describe yes. his son. Right, it, it's amazing. It's it's. Oh. <laughs> I can't handle this fucking movie, man. It's so good. I've never seen I. And and I love In the Mood for Love, but I'm like really torn, like personally torn. I need to watch In the Mood for Love again. Because Pat, you don't actually, you don't actually have to, have to decide which one of those two is the better movie. Yes, I. They do. can just be the best movie. No, I I understand that, and I can love them both deeply, which I do. Yeah. Uh, the biggest part about the reason for that is like, I actually find myself often enough in a situation where someone will ask me a question where I need to be able to answer that question. Yeah. Where it's like, well, I'd like to have the answer, and I and I I don't want to give the answer. Of, I guess I'll just give both. The the really terrible part is when when I'm asked questions like that. Uh, if I were to name Yi Yi or in the mood for love, uh, the person asking me would immediately just write me off as pretentious and, not, and never watch the movie. I, yeah, I mean, well, in, I mean, in the conversations probably... I have when someone says, "Hey, what's?" What's your favorite movie? They want to hear me say something like, like maybe Children of Men I could get away with mentioning. 
Right. Because you've at least a, that's still like an action line, movie, right? even though it's a yeah. really great movie. Uh, that does really interesting things. No, I mean, Children of Men is also is a very good movie. Like, I, yeah. I get it. But, like, it's it's you can get away with it because it's got guns yeah. in it. And no one, no one wants me to mention a movie that they have to read. Right. Nobody right. wants you to mention a movie they have to read, and also nobody wants to mention a movie that they've literally never heard of. <laughs> right. right. Like what, when people ask what's your favorite movie, what they want to hear is a movie that they haven't seen, but know exists. Right. But they've heard the title of. So they can be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I've heard about that. I should see that." That's yeah. what that we all want to give that answer. Nobody right. wants to be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah, I mean, but so that's often, a crime in the sense that like everyone should have heard of this in, in the mood for love. You, if you haven't, right. Right. you should have, and it's a crime that you our society has not watch made that movie, possible please. for you. Yeah, like yeah. it just it, it, it it's it's wrong. I mean, it's just fundamentally wrong that I had never heard of Yee before we sat down right. to watch it. Right, it's wrong. It's just wrong. And the, and the same was true for him for the move for love, and the same has been true for other movies too. This is not exclusive to these two movies. I just, I'm shocked yeah. that these movies are this good, and I never heard of them. Ever. And of course, of course, there's there's an aspect of that of just you know the before we started this project, the sort of movies we were into, and the sort of yeah. Uh, but I hung out with film culture nerds in we college. Yeah. But they were American film nerds. They were twenty year old American <laughs> film nerds. So like, certain things penetrated their sphere, and th- certain things got nowhere right. near. Right. So like, yeah. had I seen, I'd fucking seen Citizen Kane and things like that. Those ones right. that had penetrated in there and that were Western by nature anyway. And, and I had seen Kurosawa films. And we were in but college I had seen, starting I'd in actually seen my least favorite Kurosawa films that yeah. I've discovered. Now, I have discovered now that the Kurosawa films I had seen at that time are my least favorite. <laughs> right, right. You know, and, and the, uh, and that's a, that's another interesting aspect of, of the way the way cinema works, and we talked about, I already talked about it with the list of, of why things like Yee Yee and, and In the Mood for Love aren't higher on lists of best films of all time, is that we favor, we favor historical films, and there's a certain amount of history before we start to favor a foreign film, too. Right. Now That's true. And of course, Kurosawa is its own thing because he is a fairly Western-influenced Japanese right. director. Right, I mean- yeah, and Ozu gets up there quite high, and and the, and for similar reasons actually, and and honestly, a part of that has to do with like, in terms of cinema industries, film industries, Japan was one of the first non-European yeah. countries to actually get one. So you have got one, that film to have their own. There. Yes, right. Like it's not as old, but it's relatively old compared to some places where you know, I mean. When you start looking at um, various areas of, you know, when you start looking at China's film industry and, like, things that, like, just the way society, like, the way the West has dealt with most countries that are not the West has resulted in, like, no opportunities to have a film industry. And the same is true for India and other places that, like, just were never never put in a position where that was even possible, really. <laughs> I think I think it's very unfair for you to say India because you're ignoring all of Bollywood. Um, no, which no, has what I'm saying is decades. Bollywood, but Bollywood, uh, but it yes, doesn't get. But it's not. It's not. It's not 1922, right? And it, and it also 
even even the most popular Bollywood stuff, like Bollywood's sort of insular. Um, right, and it doesn't penetrate hardly at all. It doesn't and that's penetrate. A, and that's a at least it doesn't penetrate into. It doesn't penetrate into North America in the same way uh, that it penetrates locally. Right, and, and the only um, reason that you and really when you start to look at the way this all functions, the only reason your Kurosawas and your Ozus penetrate into Western cinema is via famous Western directors who watch right. those movies and said these are fucking amazing. Right. You need to pay attention to them. Right. And and Bollywood has just never gotten the respect that respect right. to get until very I recently. I think that's fair. Yeah, and and I'm not saying that they it, like Bollywood's been around for a long time, but it's not been it's not. There's a time scale, right? You go you go, America, Europe, and then because of the nature of the way Japanese reforms happened, very near that time period, you get Japan relatively quickly thereafter. Because of just kind of luck of the draw, almost <laughs> like oh, we just went through a major cultural revolution, and we want to do all the things that Europeans are doing right now. So, how do we do this film thing? Right is kind of how it goes, right? And then, because of the nature of colonialism, no one else had access to that under their own agency for a very long time, right? Right. Plenty of plenty of like. Films that went to foreign countries that didn't have access to film, but not making their own film because they were never provided with the ability to even have that agency. Right, and that's and that's um, you know talking about the history of Indian film. I think that's that's sort of that's true too. Yeah, I mean, you know, even even in the twenties, even in the twenties and thirties, India was was producing up to two hundred films a year uh, within the country, but. But the golden age of Indian cinema didn't start until after independence, right? So we're talking exactly, about and, and it has a lot to do with colonialism and independence, yeah. right? Yeah, your colonies don't get to make their own works of art, right? Not really, because <laughs> even if they do, they get immediately. And when they do, they have taken. to be very, very careful. Right. Like, and, and they have to be very careful, like and then they spring, also get right? immediately co-opted, right? They get yeah. torn away from, like. The the colonizer immediately basically claims it for their own, right? Immediately, it's we the did thing. It. Yeah, look at what we look look at what well, our colon this. like look at what our what our subjects did. Aren't we amazing at raising these people from from their humble roots? Like yes, it's, we're garbage. Let's. Uh. Uh. <laughs> the West is terrible. Yeah, um. <laughs> again, it's just Japan got lucky in just the sense of like not lucky, but part of it's. The way they decided to do things, and also luck, a lot of luck. Yeah, yeah. And even then, they <laughs> don't start till the fifties. It's not until post-war that any Japanese films have any recognition at all. There's hardly any pre-war films that have any are considered to have any artistic merit. Yeah, like some of Ozu's stuff gets in there probably mainly because he was an artist and also. Worked prior to World War Two a little bit, but yeah, I, I mean we don't need to beat this dead horse too much. But like, yeah. it's just it's a thing. It it is disturbing that like I had never heard of E. It just is, yeah. and it's, it, was, it, it just as it was disturbing when we watched In the Mood for Love that I had never heard of that. And I mean, yeah, it upsets me that that's yeah. true. <laughs> Especially since we went to college uh, starting in 2004 and In the Mood for Love and Yee both came out in 2000 and they should yeah, have like been. Yeah, like I should have heard they, about it. They should have been 
uh, iconoclast films for, yeah, for the, American college, college students campus at the time. Yeah, my college campus should have been fucking playing this. <laughs> right. Right. And they uh, weren't. Now, now, of course, I'm, I'm sure that if we went back to your college campus uh, in that year, time period, probably someone did show it. Uh, Maybe, but I, I will definitively but say I that be I watched if... nearly every film that the school put on. Yeah. Uh, including, like, club productions. Yeah. And I, I, near, I saw nearly every one of them. And that, like, they well. Of course, the if an actual almost exclusively pick garbage, but that's if an actual good transfer was not available until that's the Criterion release after we left college. But that, but that wasn't true for In the Mood for Love. Yeah, no, that certainly wasn't true for In the Mood for Love. Um, yeah. So the crime extends. Is all I'm saying. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. That's fair. You're right. It's really interesting that the the ty- the the cover that we have for Yi Yi on Wikipedia is the Japanese cover. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting, an interesting thing. Well, half the production company is Japanese companies. Ogata, like I mean, not half, but like there were multiple Japanese names in the production credits. Um. So the the Japanese cover is uh is the little boy. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, it's a small cover. For looking at a looking at a snow globe, um, with an Astro Boy in the background. Um, the uh, the IMDb main cover. Uh, I don't know where it's from. It appears to be a Chinese language release. That is just the little boy looking at the snow globe. Uh, right. The uh, the DVD release that I got uh, is the little boy with the camera pointing facing facing the. Uh, I've seen camera. that one around. Yeah, that's yeah. the one I see a lot. And then the Criterion Collection is just the back of the little boy's head, which is which is like, interesting. It's an interesting yeah. choice, especially is, since it doesn't appear in the film. It's, it's a, right. that's a weird one because like. I don't remember that scene. I mean, it must have been in there, but I just don't remember it. Yeah. It's from the party, but, like, I just don't remember that. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I don't I don't remember that particular instance either. Um, though, obviously, interesting because uh, if, if that shot does exist, it uh, it predates the kid's obsession with backhands. Right. It, it's, nice a, little, it's a sort of weird, it's sort of a really yeah. fascinating foreshadowing on Yeah, it's on, a nice little foreshadowing to... But the movie does a good job of that throughout, right? Like, of telling you, like, later on you're like, oh, shit, that was, yeah, that was all a thing, right? Like, (laughs) I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, it's really good about that. I mean, we open with photography, and, you know, we open with with a wedding and then with a funeral, and, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's got, it's definitely got a very, like, rituals and, and, you know, and, 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 yeah, there's what's, so much good going on. There's so a lot. Of, what's really fascinating to me is is the very mild amount of sort of like surrealism that's in the film. Like it's not a lot. Uh, it's specifically tied to the grandma and and the fact that Ting Ting goes through a very metaphysical experience. Yeah, like is really yeah. fascinating because the rest of the movie, especially the brother, uh, the brother, the brother or brother-in-law. I'm blanking on what Adi is a brother or brother-in-law. Now I'm I'm blanking on that. Uh, he's the one who's who marries his brother. It's his wedding at the beginning. Yes, yeah. Or, I just can't yeah. remember. If he's his brother he or his is, brother-in-law. He is our. Uh, he's the dad's brother. Okay. The, okay. Uh, okay. So yeah. So um, like Adi is constantly talking about uh, about 
metaphysical things, right? And the mom is on a, me- a metaphysical journey throughout the entire film, basically, right? She's, uh, I mean, it's a midlife crisis is what they describe it as, but she's at, she's at a crisis of faith. She, she wants meaning to her world, right? But the only person who actually goes through a, a metaphysical experience actually yeah. is Ting Ting. Is Ting Ting. And everybody it's, else's it's, is just the circumstances of life, right? Like yeah. ebbing and flowing of, of of serendipity and things like that. Whereas Ting Ting goes through a thing that is absolutely metaphysical, or at least her hallucinating because she hasn't slept in a long time. Yeah. And that's 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 you know, one one thing is that my least favorite surreal moment in this movie also has to do with Ting Ting's uh processing of what's going on around her, and that's when uh when we're watching the news reports. Oh, that's my, yeah, murder. My, that's bad. I and, don't... and suddenly we cut to a, a visual of, uh, fatty and the person he killed as, uh, as video game characters in a, a 2d fighting game. Yeah. You, um, you've described my least favorite part of the film as well. And it right. is, and is also the least artistry in the film in many ways. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but one thing that's very interesting to me, and, and and you bringing up Ting Ting in that way makes me realize it, is that what we're watching actually is three different coming-of-age stories, right? Yes. Um, uh, the boys, Ting Tings, and the dads. Um, and any of those could have been another movie, and we've seen all those movies, right? Yeah, yeah, for we've sure. Seen the, we've seen the, the uh, you know, eight-year-old falling in love for the first time. Oh, coming yeah. of age movie yeah, for sure. uh, multiple times in the Criterion Collection. We've yeah, seen they, the, that's a the, big popular one. The teenage girl coming of age story multiple times in the Criterion Collection. Uh, Although rarely, yeah. or rarely this well focused on the teenage girl. Yes, I, yes. I will say it, there's true. an admirable amount of caring what Ting Ting feels and right. thinks about things, right. and very little of the boy, which is really yeah. nice. And I knew some more. I knew some more. Uh, gets the closest to that, and, and yeah. it's one of the things we very much liked about that movie. Um, and then, you know, the dad's doing his midlife crisis thing uh, in in uh, you know what could easily be uh, you know lost in translation or oh or, yeah no we've seen something that. Dude, that's a movie we've all seen yeah. a lot. <laughs> that, that, is, that is a movie that but, that, but, and they're, but they're that male directors like very, to make too. <laughs> they're all handled in very good ways, even in right. in and of themselves right. individually. Right? I mean. Yeah. We've seen these movies, but we very rarely have seen even these individual movies done this well. Right, right. Like, and that's the the yeah. deafness of hand that each of those is is produced with, you know. And even you know, even the loves the love story where where he realizes, what am I doing? I can't, you know. No, the if if there is one. If there is one uh, negative in this film, it is that uh, for some reason all ex-girlfriends have glasses and are still obsessively in love with. Yeah, that, the the one I would I was gonna talk about that, and it's my one that is one of my complaints about this movie is it the, is it's in a weird place because its vision of who Ting Ting is is so clear-eyed and right. concerned with her thoughts and her feelings. But it's it's way it treats the other women in yeah. the lives of these people much less so is not so it's not as clean it's not as it's not as concerned although I will say that um the um it's it's union and oh god I can't remember everybody's name anymore um 
What there are a lot of characters. Adi, yeah, that's a problem actually. Like Adi's wife's name is Sh- uh, Xiao something. I think I've I've forgotten her name, but the bro- the brother the yeah Adi's wife and Union start off very pretty one dimensional. Yeah, but pick up a lot of dimension as. Uh, especially his wife picks up a lot of dimension as she interacts and like we see her feelings about you know his ex-girlfriend being there and a lot of stuff like that yeah. they, they start off especially union the ex-girlfriend starts off very very shallow right like right. she's just like trying to storm a wedding basically right it, it, it that's a little rough and and yeah it it, it does but I think that's more of a problem of characters than it is anything else, right? Like when you do a sort of life drama, like, well, not every character is going to be able to have their whole backstory, right? Right. Um, I will say that, like, it's it's and- interesting, though, because it also gives us – it gives us – the movie tries very hard to give us an insight into why, especially with Sherry. Sherry's the one we spend the most time with and understanding why she feels the way she does about the situation. Right. And and then when that's mirrored in the way that Ting Ting reacts to Fatty and the, like, you know what I mean? Like and how those are mirrored allows us to see more into Sherry than we would have without Ting Ting. Right. Like as as sort of the like because we see both of their story we see the aftermath and the and the way the story unfolds, and we know that Ting Ting's not going to turn out that way because things didn't unfold exactly the same. It's right. not a perfect mirror, mirror, but uh, it still really helps us understand uh, a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah, presumably NJ did not commit a murder at some point in the past. Right, he didn't probably murder anybody. We don't know if there was a love triangle, really, yeah. because we don't know when and how NJ met. We do find out a little bit, but like, it doesn't seem like it was all happening at the same time. Um and but the, with you know with with Fatty running out after bringing Ting Ting to the hotel as did they go to the hotel together, and like literally that's that's mirrored in the experience that uh, Sherry and NJ had. We we get extra insight into Sherry that we wouldn't have been offered otherwise into like how she felt because she describes it post mat after like the aftermath, and then we get Ting Ting experiencing like he just ran out on me. Like he just literally ran away. How do you process that? Right. It's yeah. It's all really, it's really like, yeah. I mean, it it could handle, it could handle those other female characters better. That is definitely true. Um, and that is a, that is a flaw in the film for sure. And it is one of the things I noticed almost immediately. Yeah. That made me wary about it actually. But yeah, to have to have the ex girlfriend introduced the way she is is uh, not a kind and way. Then, to and then a grandma's first line to say, "Oh, where's the pregnant bitch?" about right. about the new wife, right? It's not good. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, in the movie, in the movie, and it's interesting because we we do have a crisis with a thing that we've had before. A lot of the male characters, especially the ones that are not in Jay say very unkind things. Yes. About the women in their lives. Yes. Uh, and it, we always have a problem when we have, there's always a problem when we have male directors having characters say things like that about us understanding where those lines are drawn. Right? 
Now, I, I, after seeing the whole film, I have faith that we're, those are not stand-ins for Edward Yang. Yeah. Because he's just, he, the, the, the women that he chooses to focus on, he puts so much attention and care into their feelings. Yeah. That I feel like he's trying to tell you what life in Taiwan in 2000 is like. But it, it's still a risky thing. It's still a, yeah. a, a, an uncomfortable thing to see happen. Um, yeah. I think, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, Ying's, uh, Yang's wife is in the film. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't look into any of that stuff, I, so it might be. If, unless I'm mistaken, true. I'm fairly certain, uh, in the, uh, in the concert scene where he's playing piano, uh, he is, he is miming piano. He does not play piano, but, uh, it's his wife is a cellist and that is, that is her performance. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I could be mistaken on that, but, uh, but I'm fairly certain. So, uh, so just, I mean, uh, an interesting side note to, you know, if, uh, well, those if this is an accurate representation of, uh, if, if this is a Fellini-esque representation of how, uh, <clears throat> of the main male character being a stand-in for the director and the, how the director treats his, his, uh, Loved ones, um, you know, her being a featured cellist uh, in this film and kind of getting shoehorned into yeah. the movie just to say, "Hey, I, uh, you're a great cellist. Please be, please be on screen playing cello." Right. Um, right. I mean, yeah. that's true. But also, I think if we are if we were going to pick a stand-in, it would probably be NJ, right? And, and yeah, NJ's not a bad person. Like he, right. we none of our main characters are bad people. Uh, I mean, there is a, there is at least one point places. where he declares that he does not love his wife. But that is true. That is true. <laughs> but that might also be true. Like, I mean, yeah. that's like that doesn't make him inherently a bad person, right? Right. Like, right, right. we are we're like this is very much a film about people living their lives and like people who may be married people who have children who do not love their their spouses is a fairly common scenario that has unfolded right. throughout time. Right. Doesn't make them bad people, right? Like, I mean, we don't know how his wife feels about him either. I mean, we just don't know, right? Like, because we, she's not a perspective character, so right. And she, she sort of has a bit of a breakdown and then disappears, right? Well, and and, and I, I and I wrap that up. We do that a couple times, right? Because I think we are dealing with Edward Yang trying to like do some conservation of characters. And be like, well, oh shit! I, I have forty-five million people in this movie. Fuck! I got to get rid of some of them, and it helps but set also up the, the plot and everything like that. The single family and the single parent nature of the family through the course of that is, you know, it's it's part of the conflict for all the characters. Right. It's know. definitely part of it. Had had she been there, things would have unfolded very differently, presumably, in the story. And then also, like, it's nice actually because, like, and again, this is like we don't know enough about. Uh, Taiwanese culture to really know, but it is interesting to have the mom of a family get to at least be a person who's dealing with her own emotional issues in a film, yeah. right? Like even though we don't see her do it, right? She does it. You know what I mean? Like it's in the back of our minds throughout the film. Like we know where she is and we know why she is there. And it's not a standard – they could have also – a bad movie would have just killed the mom. 
you know what I mean? She would have right. already been dead. Right. Whereas this one chooses to have her leave because she has her things that she needs to deal with. Like she's having a crisis of faith and things like that that she needs to deal with. And that and that's just interesting uh, in and of itself because it, it paints a very specific picture of the family. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's there's a lot to love here, and it, it it's hard to. I, I'm gonna watch this movie again. I mean, because there's a lot here, and and it, it but it's it's really a wonderful thing to watch. Yeah, it really. <laughs> it's also really fascinating that he ends up taking that NJ's take that that family is taking care specifically. NJ is taking care of his mother-in-law. And not his own mother. That is another interesting choice about the way the story unfolds. Uh huh. Is really like, maybe I mean, he's not doing. A, he's not doing a lot to take care of her. But like, what I mean is like, again, an easier choice is it's his mom, right? Yeah, maybe, like, maybe maybe Adi is is the brother-in-law. Then I'm I'm, I'm, I'm confused on that. Really, it is brother-in-law. Yeah, Adi yeah. is his brother-in-law. Yeah. It's it's yeah, it's his wife's brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's. Yes, it is. Yeah, it, it it is. Like I said, yeah, we 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 I mean we found flaws in it, but at the same time, as a, as a naturalistic approach to telling you about a family, yeah, it is it is right, wonderful. and and by its nature, a slice of life film. Even though this is so much more than just a slice of life film, oh, but yeah. by its nature, a slice of life film cannot give the backstory of every character peripheral. Right. Involved, and choosing when so three members characters. of the same family is a nice, right? Feels good, right? Like it feels tight, it, it, yeah. like because like the parallelism between all of the family members works really, really well. Yeah, and you know we get a lot. Adi's ex has a lot of, uh, um, at least she is not always crazy. Right. She's, no, she has scenes where she is a a normal and, good. And she is not even person. necessarily manipulative in those scenes. Right. No, she's not ever like. Well, it's actually really fascinating because like when they're eating lunch together. Yeah. She's not like trying to like finagle it into something. Like, doesn't actually seem like she gets upset, but it doesn't actually seem like she necessarily like wants to break up their marriage or something. Right. You I mean you don't get that impression, which is. It's fascinating, right? Like, because that, that, yeah. those kind of things can go that way too, right? And I think that's a realistic portrayal of you know the emotion some people, men and women, uh, and elsewise, uh, have uh, when you uh, when you go through a breakup, and and when when the emotions you're dealing with when a person you used to love is now getting married, uh, and you still have something for them. And they're now getting married, you know. Right? Yeah, um, absolutely. And then, especially this, when this you sort of on, like, some yeah. days, some days you're fine with it, and some days you're very much not. You know? Yeah. And you as, do and especially crazy. when they hit milestones and things like that, yeah. and you come off a little bit. Yeah. No, it, it doesn't. She doesn't feel unrealistic. Right. Uh, in fact, I really actually enjoy her as a character, especially like when they go to the like, because like Adi is also just a fucking dumbass. Right. And like they go to the place that's been cleaned out by the police and or not by the police by like the investors and stuff, and like she's just giving him shit. Yeah, it's just really good. It's like like she's just really just giving him. Yeah, just letting him know just how much of a fucking idiot he is. 
And then and then later when he's telling the story and she's cut out. Yes. It's really it's all that all that is really fascinating, right? Like even to his own brother in law who he claims like, to like they're yeah. supposed to have this super tight relationship. A confidant who who knows what's going on here, right? He cuts it out for him. Yeah. But he doesn't because like what we do find out is that Adi's making all these what we do find out is really fascinating about Adi is that like he's making like investments, but he's not paying back. Right. And I don't think I don't think NJ is fully abreast of all the sort of bullshit money decisions that Right. Considering considering how often Adi apologizes to NJ that he doesn't have the money to pay him back right now. Right. Right. Exactly. It's it's right. it's Adi makes a lot of really shitty decisions and yeah. serendipitously also just gets a bunch of money at the same time. It, it's really all but then his story is just totally leaves out uh uh Union completely, despite the fact that yeah. like she's integral. In fact, he couldn't have even gotten in the fucking room. Right. Without her, and she's just gone in the story. It's all right. really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you know his his relationship uh, with with her is is complicated too because he he wants to, you know, they've got the investment problems that he's not above board with. Certainly not with his wife. Almost right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, you know, even if that's never explicitly or even implicitly stated. He's she clearly not. doesn't know what's going on. She we, clearly doesn't. We can know. tell. Like the, yeah. it's well directed enough that right. we know she doesn't know. Right. Um, you know, so he's got he's got that business relationship with her, but also he knows enough that he shouldn't. You know, it's it's not like it's not like she just happened to know about the baby shower, right? You know, he had to have mentioned it. Right. right. And then he tries to play it's like it's a frame up and all this shit. But like yeah. let's be clear here, he's also sending Union really mixed messages, right? Right. Because like right. And that's she probably I mean. doesn't believe they're gonna get back together, but she believes they're friends. Right. And she doesn't necessarily know at this point that that uh, his wife doesn't know that they're friends. Right. Because of the way he's arranged things. And then yeah, he probably fucking mentioned it. And then he's gonna pretend like he has no idea. Yeah, it's the, right. he. Adi is the closest thing to an actual piece of shit we have in this film, as a person. Like, and he's still very much a person. Yeah. He's still very and I, real. And I, and I think he might just be that dumb in a lot of ways. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think he's trying to keep her as a side piece. Certainly. No, he, no. He I expresses don't think so. I no think he's just romantic very, interest in her no. after and I don't after think he gets he, married. Yeah. No, but, for uh, sure. And I don't think he's trying to be a an adulterer or anything like that. I think yeah. he. He's, he's just, just very – he's in very deep on these money issues and like a lot of people who are in very deep on money issues. And knows that she can help get him out and yeah. – yeah. Doesn't – uh, yeah. yeah. They had joint investments together and right. like – and then we, we don't get the full story but we also get the impression that like his wife getting pregnant and it's sort of turning into a semi sort of shotgun wedding is also yeah. – there's an implication there that like – you know what I mean? Yeah. There, like the way it all kind of sort of pans out, there's a certain implication that like the way the grandma says that thing at the beginning, yeah, and Union's freaking out, like it sort of becomes clear, and then they're like, oh well, he waited so long to like plan the wedding, but like it's very, it, it has a certain clarity that like oh, there's a lot of drama that we're not privy to, yeah, as an audience because it would just take too much space and time, yeah, and it's not and- that important. 
And I don't. I never get the impression that his uh, his beholdenness to the the superstitions and the horoscope stuff uh, is is meant to be a smokescreen and all that. I think no. it adds to that too, right? No, it's just part of who he yeah. is, and it makes yeah. him, and it makes him, and I would say it makes him a very real person. Yeah, and, absolutely. Like, and and he's yeah, I, I call him a piece of shit just because like if I met this person, I would want to yeah. slap around a little bit. And be like, I what is wrong with you? Yeah. Get your shit together, man. Like, you're hurting people. Sit down and think about it for five minutes. Yeah, what's wrong with you? Of course, then he does sit down and think about it for five minutes, and he uh, tries to gas himself, so. Yeah, and that's that's a whole other interesting thing, right? Is like, he, again, like, it's very much a a real person thing, right? Like, he, his life falls apart around him in a lot of ways. Whether or not it's his fault or not, it's really... And then, like, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of really, and, and I was like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of really intense scenes in this movie. Like this movie, really. I uh, going into this movie, all I knew about it really was that it ended with a funeral, and yeah. and there were, we were just waiting for. Who's there were die. moments in this movie where oh, I thought, yeah, wait, no, who who actually me. like it would make sense if the if the grandma dies, but does she like recover and it's a different funeral? <laughs> It, you you would buy it like it, yeah. no there were many opportunities like like the fucking uh, NJ's on the floor at one point yeah. also and I'm like did he you know what I mean because they do like the way like Yang's yeah. shooting style also has this real yeah there's this and and it's true in in the move for love and it's true in other films too but it's like in the move for love is more noir just in sort yeah. of the way it's it set really up. is yeah. But like they both had this sort of steady. It's all the cigarettes. Is is really what yeah. Makes it's it. what what makes it yeah. It's cigarettes and weird lighting. Uh, yeah. Whereas this is a much brighter lit film, just right all around. Right. Like I mean, you don't get a lot of. He's not playing with shadow that much. Right. But um, but like Yang fucking loves to just linger, and right. it never feels inappropriate. Like never feels. Oh, the amount. Not, of... The it doesn't make you times, uncomfortable, but it's so good and powerful, like where you're just like a person just sitting there. Yeah, the amount of times where people are isolated, alone, in a frame, or even when uh, when uh, uh, NJ and uh, and Sherry are at that shrine, and they're you know uh, yeah. I was thinking as I watched that on the on the Remind Criterion of, copy oh, that on. On my DVD, I probably wouldn't have even been able to tell that there were characters in that standing scene. there. Yeah. yeah, reminds me of Ozu a little bit. It reminds me of some of the like oh, yeah. the more mo- the more modern Kurosawa works. Like when you look at something like uh, yeah, you know, like some of the later ones. And then also, what's that? Was he Danish? I forget the name of that director who does those really long shots on characters' faces. Oh, uh, uh, Dreyer. Yeah, dryer, dryer. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, but like, dryer I, for me always kind of elicited a little bit of anxiety. Yeah, with his shots, whereas Yang just doesn't. I think I think dryer's uh, characters are more anxious. That's than, true too, and it's probably a lighting them, thing so. too because it's black yeah. and white and it's like really yeah. intense, like harsh shadows and stuff. And this just doesn't have that. And and Yang does a, just an amazing job of like. The steadiness with which you linger on people. You never feel uncomfortable and you feel them processing their feelings. Right. In such subtle ways, but like you can you know it's happening. You could yeah. feel it. 
It's in it's in and that's, sort of the fabric of the of the work, right? And that is true for NJ. That is true for Tinting, and that is true for Yang Yang. Even yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like and then and then, but the fascinating thing about that is, is any time a character stops moving and is on the floor, oh my gosh, shit, they're dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Genji might be dead. Thought Yang yeah. Yang drowned. That was yep. that was the last oh, one. Oh god, that was terrifying. Yeah. Where he yeah. goes below the edge of the pool, and he's like, and you're just like, well, we're just gonna hang out here for another couple minutes just to fuck with you. Yeah. Because I want you to experience a certain amount of stress. <laughs> Like I, as a director, need you to kind of stress out about this. Yeah, because you know uh, somebody's going to die. It has a certain sort of like Greek narrative <laughs> feel to it, it in that sense. Of like does. somebody's dying at the end of this fucker. Like I had never, I didn't know anything about the movie, Adam. Yeah. I didn't read anything, and I knew some. I knew there was going to be a funeral at the end of this movie. In that, in that way, it is. It was predictable because it needs to cover the breadth of human life. Yeah. You and you know that really early on, right? We're starting with a wedding. We started with a, a wedding with, with yeah, a, a nine months or eight <laughs> yeah, months pregnant with a fucking woman. baby borderline yeah. coming at any moment, and yeah. like you just know that it's like I this movie, despite yeah. being very naturalistic, also has a very contrived notion that like I'm going to cover the breadth of a hu- of a family, like right. an entire life, and I've only got the time period that that. We, I can't do the whole life, so I'm going to sh- cover like a, what, like three a very eventful weeks. Yeah, exactly. And but they don't. It doesn't. It doesn't have that sort of like eventful, but it doesn't have the feel that like I've seen movies that do that, and it just doesn't have the feel like it doesn't feel rushed. It doesn't feel like um, it doesn't feel like it's overcrowded. Like it's unrealistically overcrowded week or yeah. three weeks. You know, it's like yeah, that's life. I've had lots of months that feel like that the whole fucking time. Right. And they're right. horrible. And everybody has it. Uh, yeah. and it's and it's and it's nice for a movie to acknowledge that that's that that's life, that that's how life goes. Uh yeah. But yeah, you definitely knew that it was gonna be a funeral almost instantaneous. And I was like and I got really nervous a lot of times because like, you know, Ting Ting's in a lot of positions and situations that feel risky not in in a really weird way like Faye doesn't feel super stable kind of all the time yeah so it's like and especially in hindsight I'm like oh man like I'm glad she didn't get murdered or something like that yeah I mean also you know maybe some shorthand for that sort of bad boyness but you know he she's she's high school aged and he is uh not in her class and working at a guitar store. So Right. Like, yeah, he's a little bit older. Like he's dating he was dating her neighbor. I mean it just feels like Ting Ting's it, her story is very fascinating, but it's also a little scary. Yeah. Like you start to empathize with her and then like you kind of start like, you should be scared. Like I know you're not, or maybe you are, but like you should be a little bit. Uh but yeah. feelings are scary, so that's also good that way, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, there's it's I, I mean, I guess it's not surprising that it was grandma, but like there was a lot of times where that wasn't guaranteed. Right. Right. Where it could have gone a different route. Always expected it to be from the start and then Right, maybe but then it's like not. every time they're like, Whoa, what's gonna happen? <laughs> God, I hope yeah, sure. I mean, when it, when I thought it was gonna sure. be yeah, Yang And Yang then obviously, like, oh, you know, God, you think not. it's you think it's gonna be Audie for a second. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. 
And then that would have been easier in a certain sense because it's like, you know, side character that you still have an investment with in terms of emotions and stuff. Whereas Grandma is a little bit rough because, like, we don't meet Grandma, like, at all. Grandma's a a prop that they interact with in the story. But then Yang fucking drags her back into reality with that last scene. It's like, oh, by the way, I'm not going to let her die and not be a person. So fucking deal with it. She's going to say almost nothing, but you're going to cry because she's dead. You're still going to cry because she's dead. Yeah, we're still going to make sure that you feel it because you're going to feel uh, you're going to feel what Ting Ting feels and you're going to feel yeah. what you're going to have to process it from her perspective and Yang Yang's perspective. Right. Because fuck you. I want you to feel pain right now. Right. Um yeah, no, it's oh, it's so good. Oh, yeah. This is such a such a beautiful movie. Such yeah, and I I'm movie. really excited. I cannot wait till 800. I like I can't wait yeah. in the sense that like I'm excited but also in the sense that I'm not going to right Just wait until 800 movie. to watch. Yeah. yeah, to yeah, I I can't because like a movie that's consistently ranked better than this. Yeah. On lists is not one by the same director is not one that I can wait fucking yeah. Ten more years to watch? Yeah. Like yeah, I can't I can't seven. do that. That's not possible. Yeah. Oh. Well, uh we'll draw this to a close. We've been talking about Yi Yi, um directed by Edward Yang, uh, out of Taiwan in two thousand. Uh but speaking of waiting. Uh, we uh, we have finally come back around to our final Barbette Schroeder film. Uh, like, what, three, four years ago? Uh, now, two years ago, a little over two years, we, we last talked about his only narrative film in the Criterion Collection with Maitrice. Um, and then uh, we, uh, obviously, we we hit his uh, general Idi Amin Dada was an early horrifying yep. favorite yeah yep. um still so we, good that was a good yeah. one so I mean, we swing back terrifying, but yeah good. we swing back to document i think about that movie way yeah, me too. a lot especially um, now yep me too yeah. um, it's really easy to think about it all the time right um next week we'll be swinging back to documentary with him and uh his uh 1977 um actually released in 78 uh Fairly short documentary, eighty-minute documentary on Coco, a talking gorilla. The uh, Coco, the gorilla, famous for having been taught sign language. Uh, this is an early documentary on Coco's life. Uh, Coco just died fairly recently, didn't she? Yeah, yeah, it was um, not that long ago. I mean, a I few think. months ago, but 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 still, but I think, like relative, relatively yeah. speaking, yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. Considering the documentary came out in seventy-seven, Coco lived for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which I, I, I mean, of course. Yeah. It, Coco is 1971 to, two, to 2018. Yeah. It's a long time. It makes it makes sense that great uh, other great apes would have also have pretty long, long lifespans, especially lifespans. when they're being cared yeah. for. Yeah. Like but, uh, actively. Yeah. But yeah, I still don't. Yeah. She was older, older than I expected her to be. But yeah. So uh, she was born in 71, so this documentary takes place when she was only six years old, a, a uh, gorilla who continued to live on for, uh, for a good four decades. Wow. 
yeah um but yeah we look forward to that uh i you know we've enjoyed schroeder's work uh in the past matrice i own matrice though not on purpose um but uh, <laughs> i had to buy matrice uh in order to watch it unfortunately but but it still was it was an interesting movie that i will probably never watch again <laughs> but yeah well, you own it now i, I do mean... Now people can 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 see that on my DVD shelf beside Hudson Hawk and draw whatever yep, conclusions yep. they want to draw. Uh, but yeah, thank you once again for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, Lee Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oatari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. listening to Lost in Criterion, hosted by John Patrick Hoatari Dorgan and the Adam Glass, who edits it. We're a production of WithTwoBrains.com. Jonathan Hape does the music. Check him out at JonathanHape.BandCamp.com. And hey, if you like us, why don't you give us a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook, or support us on Patreon. That's Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. We'd appreciate it. I, I don't... This is one of those weird movies that even after we talked for an hour and a half, I'm like, man, we didn't we 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 didn't do it justice we didn't do a good enough job <laughs>